Well, hello there, everybody. Vinyl nerds and crate diggers and record freaks. This is Matt Carlson. I'm your host here on the Wax and Wayne podcast. Welcome to episode 003. For those of you who are new to our little party here, this is a a weekly podcast where we get together and I yammer on at you um, for quite some time. And uh, mostly what I talk about is vinyl records, music that's on vinyl records, vinyl records that are just coming out, vinyl records that are going to be out in a while, and vinyl records that aren't right out right now in an affordable form, and we wish that they would be. Um, we're going to talk a lot about records. We're going to talk a lot about some news that's coming up. We're going to talk about a couple of things, um, a couple of tidbits and... Uh, I want. I hate the word hack. Like I fucking hate the phrase life hack. I hate that shit. Um, and yet I just used that phrase. But this is really kind of you know what trick of the trade. Oh my god! Now I sound like a '50s businessman. I'm fucking Gregory Peck in the man in the gray flannel suit. This is ridiculous. I got some ideas for you if you've run into a little bit of a rut. If maybe you're new at this, or you're not uh, a shopper who maybe is making the most of his or her time at your local stores. Um, I've got a couple of pieces of information that might help you out, a little bit of uh, advice, if you will, because I'm not ashamed, or certainly not fucking shy about giving you my advice and opinions, am I? I think that we've learned enough about me over the last two episodes to know that one of the things I'm probably not going to hold back here is how I feel about stuff, and I'm probably not going to worry about whether or not um, you don't like me to swear, because I'm going to give you my opinions, And I'm going to give them to you pretty fucking regularly. So anyway, um, before we get started with the news and the uh, other little features we have this week, um, I thought I would just kind of tell you a little bit about what I've been spinning. Um, I haven't had a ton of vinyl time this week, but I've had some. Um, As uh, those of you who listened to episode two noted, I went down to uh, Dearborn Music after a just bullshit record show at WHFR in Dearborn. But I I went down to Dearborn Music and uh, also went to Stormy and Record Stormy Records there in Dearborn, and um, I picked up some some stuff, and so I picked up four purchases of uh, new reissues and 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 initial issues of records. Um, Jesus Christ, I can't talk today. What what kind of a guy says, "Hey, I'm gonna sit in front of my computer and I'm gonna record a podcast for the whole world to hear," and I'm just like, "Badeep badeep badeep," it's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, let's try this again. I got four records I've been spinning quite a bit this week. I've listened to them all several times since I picked them up, um, what is now nearly two weeks ago. And um, this has kind of, you know, been in a pretty heavy rotation. So the first one is uh, an old favorite of mine. Well, it's not super old, considering it's only 15 years old. For you children in the audience, you may think that, hey, that came out when I was three. But for the rest of us, 15 years isn't really that long ago. And this is a Tom Waits record called Mule Variations, which is one of my favorites. Um... For those of you who are a Tom fan, this has got some notable tracks on it, like Big in Japan, Get Behind the Mule, uh, Hold On, and one of my very favorite spoken word Tom Waits moments, um, a terrific little uh, paranoid Twilight Zone episode of a number called What's He Building? Uh, so that one's a 2LP set that's out on Anti Records, and it's a, it's a record that I love if you're a Tom Waits fan. That's a good one to get. Um, I also picked up uh, Yola Tango's Fake Book, which is a record that is about 80% covers. Um, it, inc- it, you know, it encapsulates a whole bunch of songs that they did 
in a fairly live setting. It's primarily acoustic. It's a pretty laid back record, um, but I really love it. I'm especially fond of the covers that they do of the Kinks, Oklahoma, USA, John Cale's Andalusia, and uh, uh, Gene Clark's Tried So Hard, which you may even know by the Flying Burrito Brothers. This one is out um, in a reissue from Bar None. And this record originally came out in 1990, um, which is just shocking for me to believe. That's when I graduated from high school. That's how fucking old I am. Um, but there's some really great stuff on here. There's also two or three really good Yola Tango originals that are lots of fun. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be mentioning that I've been spinning these a lot if I didn't wholeheartedly re recommend them. But it's fun to have these records on vinyl. I've had them on digital or CD for a long time, and it's nice to finally get them on vinyl. Um... Probably the score that was the nearest and dearest to me from Dearborn Records was a record that I knew I was going to overpay for. I mentioned this in episode one. It is the Jayhawks' Rainy Day Music. I have been listening to it on what my family probably feels like is an infinite, never-ending loop. And um, it's just a beautiful thing. It's a two-record set. I really, really wish it was a gatefold, but the pressing is beautiful. Um, that thing's really lovely. And the, and the fourth side of bonus tracks are just... Um, just a real fucking treat. They're just awesome. Um, I also picked up, for the first time on vinyl, um, the clientele have released Suburban Light, which is a collection of early uh, singles and rare tracks and some some sort of outlier stuff. And this is a band that I've only gotten into in the last three or four years. I have an, another record of theirs that I picked up last summer called God Save the Clientele. And Suburban Light is really beautiful. It is sort of the perfect Saturday morning record. It's very, very warm and um, sort of uh, sweet. And it's got that little twee vibe going on, but it's really, it's really, really nice. That one's out on Merge. It's called Suburban Light. Um, if you're into bands like uh, Bell and Sebastian or The Decemberists or um, Camera Obscura, um, if you like the, you know, Hospitality is another merge record or another merge band that I think kind of shares some, some, uh, some DNA with the clientele. These are the, these are the kinds of things that, that if you're into those, I think you'd really dig the clientele. There's also, it seems to me like a kind of a laid back, um, sixties vibe to it. It's really, um, the way that the singer and songwriter, um, whose name is escaping me right now, Alistair McLean, I think. Uh, the way that he um, the way that he writes is that there's almost a a brill era kind of vibe to it. Regardless, um, if you like that kind of thing, I would highly recommend that you pick it up. You can find more about that at uh, Merge Records, and um, that is also a really lovely pressing. Um, of course, it's on 180 gram vinyl because everything anymore is on 180 gram vinyl. We don't press regular vinyl anymore because people don't want it apparently, except for me. So let's get on to the news. Um, Matt, what's happening in the world outside of your own fucking living room, you ask? Well, first of all, whatever you're doing, what are you doing right now? I hope you're not home. If you're home right now, you should be listening to records. You should save this for when you go walk the dog or get in the car or go for a run. I don't know what going for a run is like. Um, I only run when being chased, um, which is why I have the particular shape I have. Um, that and my affinity for pizza and ice cream. Um, but if you're home right now, stop this, turn it off, put on a record. If you're at work, that's great. Unless you have a turntable at work, in which case you should be listening to records. If you can listen to records, you should not be listening to me. That's, that's a rule that I would like to 
really enforce here at the Wax and Wayne podcast. So you should wait. You're going to be in the car or taking the train or you're going to be on a bus ride or, um, you know, making a cross-country trip or doing something, sitting in your bedroom late at night when it's, you know, the rest of your family needs to sleep. You put those little headphones on, boom, you and I can have an intimate conversation. We can have a little vinyl pillow talk, if you will. Um, so that that's just a little rule. Now, so what's going on with you? What's what's happening in your world? I want to know. Send me a note. Send me some shit on Twitter. I'm spending way too much time on there anyway. Make it interesting for me. Send me some shit. Tell me what you're spinning. What did you just go buy that you're really excited about? What used record did you just find you've been looking for for years? You can come find us. There are really three great places that you can come find out and tell us what, what you're doing and take a look at what, what I'm doing. Um, those places are as follows. The Wax and Wayne blog. That is waxandwaynemusic.com. We don't do the .biz or the .tv or the .info. It's just .com. We're not a nonprofit because we don't make any fucking money at all. We're technically a less than profit because I'm spending money to do this thing and spending my time. Which is great. That's fine. But that's why we don't do the .org because we don't have the 501c3 paperwork filled out yet. Um, so it's waxandwaynemusic.com. You can also find us on Twitter. That's at waxandwaynemusic. If you're on Twitter, come find us. Come give us a like. Wait, you don't you do likes on Facebook, Matt. You're you're 42 years old and you're talking like you're 62 years old. Are you your mom right now? What the fuck? Anyway, um, come and follow us on Twitter. Tweet at us, twat at us, if you will, as my wife likes to say. Um, she, she, she tells me I've been twatting a lot lately, which I have. Um, come find us on Twitter. That's a great way for us to communicate because when I've got my phone and I'm away from my record player and I'm waiting in line at the bank or at the DMV or doing whatever it is I'm doing, I can I can respond and we can we can have a conversation. I had a very nice dude ask me today what I thought of cassette tapes, and in less than 140 characters, I had to tell him not a whole lot. I haven't really thought much about cassette tapes since the early 90s, when I used them almost exclusively because they were the way that I could listen to music while driving around in my car. Um, but anyway, that's a great way to get in touch with us, and of course, you can find us on Facebook. Um, we're all over that shit. Um, we noticed that most people who are under the age of 55 aren't really using Facebook a lot anymore, but you know what? I want you to buck the trend. I want you to come and like Wax and Wayne. Just search Wax and Wayne Music on Facebook. Get on there. Tell the Zuckerberg that, you know what, you were a little upset about the Eisenberg movie and the way that he treated Andrew Garfield. It's not nice to be that shitty to Spider-Man. But you're going to forgive him, and you're going to go ahead and like the Wax and Wayne Music page. And um, we're going to get our numbers up there. Um, we're going to make some shit happen, and we're going to put some stuff up every day because um, we're updating the blog almost every day. And again, when I say we, I'm using the royal we like John Goodman and the Big Lebowski. Um, so those are the three ways. Blog, waxandwaynemusic.com, Twitter, at waxandwaynemusic, or waxandwaynemusic on Facebook. Please come and find us. I want to know what's on your deck right now. I said your deck. What's on your turntable, you perv? What are you listening to? If you're listening to CDs and I'm trying to lure you into the world of vinyl, I want to know what CDs you're listening to. I love you and I want you to like vinyl, but I don't want to know what you're listening to on your iPod. I don't want to hear about the 12-hour playlist that you made of songs about the color blue. Okay? I think it's great. And there's going to be there better be a sweet fucking Jayhawk song on there about the color blue. Um 
And there's probably a Bob, Bob Dylan song on there in which you're tangled up in said color. But nonetheless, what I'd really like to know about is I'd really like to know about what physical media are you listening to, specifically vinyl. On Twitter, especially, send us a photo. I like that. I like the pretty pictures. It's like a little kid reading a book in elementary school. All right. I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to move on with the news. So the first things first, REM. What the fuck, man? You've been broken up for three years, and now all of a sudden, 2014 is the biggest year you've had since Adventures in Hi-Fi came out? Jesus Christ. So anyway, if you missed it, back in the spring, they had all of their shit um, remastered for iTunes. Don't don't get me started. But it is a, it, it is a big thing. So... They, they put all their stuff out on iTunes. They put out some extra tracks. They released a, a big rarities collection that came out digitally. There was, of course, the uh, the unplugged thing that they released on Record Store Day. So that would have been the sessions from 91 and 01, respectively. And those both came out on vinyl for Record Store Day back in April. And then uh, just last week, like the 20th or the 21st, um, the beginning of last week, they, they actually unveiled uh, a trailer for a documentary called R.E.M. by MTV. And this is a documentary that's being done, um, surprisingly, by the folks at MTV. They actually are trying to remember what the that the M in MTV stands for music. I know that's the lamest joke in the music podcast industry, but I'm not above it. Um, and so this is going to be included in a six-DVD set that this documentary is going to be included in that set. And the 6DVD set will include the doc. It will also include an exhaustive collection of television interviews, performances, music videos, and special appearances. So if you're a really big, enormous REM fan, as I am, and you're interested in this documentary, uh, this is going to be available for sale both individually uh, in early November, and then it's also going to be available as part of this six DVD box set. So if you really want to watch REM and all the times they were on the MTV Music Awards, the VMAs, I think they were called, um, you're probably going to want to get that set. But the thing that we're actually super excited about and interested in here, although I think that the documentary, and you can watch the trailer for that documentary on the site, by the way, uh, just go to the blog section of waxandwaymusic.com and scroll down a bit and you can find that trailer for REM by MTV. But the the bigger piece of news that I think is pretty exciting is that REM have announced that on, on December 9th uh, of this year, they will be releasing a box set called REM 7in8388. And what that is is a collection of 11 7-inch singles that the band originally released between 1983 and 1988. And those singles, with the exception of uh, two of them, the single for Wendell G. and the single for Finest Work Song, um, had previously only been available in the UK. So those are going to get their first single releases as 7 inches in the US for the first time ever. And all of these are going to be encapsulated in a box, all with the original artwork. And those are going to come out via Capital IRS. And again, that's coming out um, on December 9th. So this is going to include... Uh, basically everything from Radio Free Europe, which was the first single the band released, up through the three singles that they did for the document record, which would have been The One I Love, It's the End of the World as We Know It, and Finest Work Song. So you're going to get some songs off of Reckoning, some songs off of Life's Rich Pageant, and of course some songs off of Fables of the Reconstruction or Reconstruction of the Fables, whichever title you are more of a fan of. 
So again, that's coming out on December 9th. I know I've spent a fair amount of time bitching, but that site's going to, excuse me, that, that set's going to go for 120 bucks, and I feel like that's kind of a lot of money for 11 7-inch singles. Um, according to the press release I read, I didn't even see that there was any booklet information, but perhaps that's just a little surprise. Moving on, M. Ward, um, he of the she and him half, uh, the male half of that, that little outfit, um, is having a reissue of his 2005 LP Transistor Radio, of which I am a big fan, um, is being reissued as part of the 25th birthday celebration over at the fine indie label that is Merge Records. And the exciting thing about this reissue is not just that this is a record that has become fairly expensive to get in used form, but also um, the CD with, um, excuse me, the LP will include a four-song CD featuring demos and outtakes of some of the songs that are on Transistor Radio. So that's going to come out on December 2nd, and if you jump over to the Wax and Wayne website, you can hear a uh, demo version of uh, the song Here Comes the Sun Again from that record. Um, and again, uh, the reissue of Transistor Radio um, is going to include the extra four tracks on CD. That's going to come with all of the LPs that they sell, and that's up for pre-order now through Merge Records and Hits the Streets on December 2. December 2 is going to be a big day for Matt Ward because his other band, who I mentioned earlier, she and him, the little uh, sort of, hate to call it a nostalgia act, but it's it's kind of cutesy, isn't it? I mean, I really like it, and I think that they've, they've got some good numbers, but it's a little bit... Um, Hipstery, maybe? Now, hipster's the wrong word, and we're going to cover that a little later. But um, anyway, it's a little, sometimes it's a little cutesy pie, but it's, it, it, it is it is good stuff often. They are, Jesus Christ, this is the rambliest episode of this show ever, I hope. Even we're only at episode three. God damn. Anyway, um, she and him, Zoe Deschanel and M. Ward, have put together a covers record called Classics that they will be releasing on Capitol Records. They've moved away from the aforementioned merge. Um, they will be uh, putting that record out on December 2nd. And um, this record pretty much features uh, standards. So a good example of that would be, uh, you can hear the the audio for a song called Time After Time, and no, it's not the Cindy Lauper number that you think. Or if you're an R.E.M. fan, it's not the song about Elise that's on Reckoning. It is... Um, a song probably most made famous by Chet Baker and Frank Sinatra. It's an old, it's an old standard that was written in the mid '40s, and um, they've also released a video for uh, a song called "Stay a While" that was made famous by uh, Dusty Springfield. That's more of a Brill Building era kind of thing, and so the the record is sort of a a melange, if you will, of those two styles and eras. So it's probably going to run from like 40 standards up through 60s Brill Building. Um, and those two songs that, that that they've released so far are surprisingly good. Um, and I'm one who has a tumultuous relationship with covers records. I mentioned Fake Book earlier. That's a covers record that I love, but that's because those covers are really being... Um, Redefi- not redefined, but they're being they're being explored in a new way. They're given a new context. Um, you know, Mark Kozilek several years ago put out a record called um, "What's Next to the Moon," which is a collection of um, acoustic ACDC numbers from Bon Scott era ACDC. And if you haven't heard these, and you are an ACDC fan or a Red House Painters, Sun Kill Moon, Mark Kozilek fan, 
they're certainly at least worth checking out out of severe interest. But those those songs completely get redefined. Um, the two the two she and him songs I've heard so far, I feel like fall into that category. Maybe not as um, intensely as the two previous examples I gave you with Mark Kozalek and Yola Tango. But um, what I what I don't look for in a covers record is I don't look for somebody like Sting or Rod Stewart or somebody like that doing a standards record. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, I heard good things about the Paul McCartney standards record, uh, Kisses on the Bottom, and he's certainly a talented dude, but I kind of stayed away from that for that that very reason. So anyway, Classics is out December 2nd from She and Him. Uh, that's the same day that Matt Ward's going to see his Transistor Radio record come out on Merge with some extra stuff, and uh, let's keep moving along. You can head over to the Wax and Wayne site also. A lot of self-promotion in this episode with all the rambling, isn't there? Yes, there certainly is. You can head over to the Wax and Wayne website, and you can actually see the new single and video for the first single from the forthcoming Bell and Sebastian record, which I mentioned on the show uh, in the first episode. That record is called uh, Girls in Peacetime Want to Dance. It's coming out uh, January 20th on Matador Records. And the first single from that record, The Party Line, which I sort of got a twee disco vibe from, if that's a thing. Um... I don't know, maybe it'll grow on me, maybe it's like an earworm that'll get in there at some point, but the first listen didn't really catch. Anyway, you can uh, you can either find that on the Bell and Sebastian website, you can find it on the Matador site, or, of course, we would appreciate it if you'd go visit uh, the Wax and Wayne site. Again, just scroll and down the right-hand side, you'll see a link for that, or you can find it in the blog section. Um, that's called The Party Line, it's the first single from the Bell and Sebastian forthcoming record, Girls in Peacetime Want to Dance. And in addition to releasing that, they have also unloaded a whole spate of tour dates that are coming um, both in the UK this fall and then throughout much of the world next spring and summer. You can get on the Wax and Wayne site and see all of those. I was particularly excited about the uh, April 2nd date. They will be playing near uh, the city of Detroit, just an hour and 15 minutes or so from my hometown of Grand Ledge, Michigan. And... um, they're going to be playing April 2nd at the Royal Oak Music Theater, and um, they put on a really good show, so I'll probably be there to check that out. Um, in sort of weird news, and there's just no other way to clarify this, I happened to find a, a story on Vinyl Factory, um, which is a really good site if you haven't been over there. Please don't leave us for them, but you know, check it out and sort of you know, fill in your day with that when we're not super busy with the posts and such. Um, they... Uh, they put a, they put an article up um, about what what they call the most outlandish vinyl listing of all time, and what this is is someone has listed um, a series of five Partridge Family records on eBay, and again I want to clarify these are Partridge Family records they of the television program. They put these five records up. The asking price is a million dollars. That's correct. One million, like Dr. Evil, one million dollars, that kind of thing. A million fucking dollars. Okay? To put this in perspective, the most expensive item ever sold on eBay that was a vinyl record was an autographed copy of John and Yoko's double fantasy record, which sold for a little less than $500,000. That's John Lennon. He's 
he's John fucking Lennon, and this is the Partridge family. Okay? Susan Day's a prob- probably a lovely woman, but A, she's alive to sign more records, and B, she's not John Lennon. Okay? There's a, a really rare uh, blues record that's often referred to as a Holy Grail record. It's a, it's a Tommy Johnson record that went for $37,000. That's the most expensive 78 ever sold. That's $37,000. This is five Partridge Family records that are selling for a million dollars. This is ridiculous. I do love how they say that they're offering millionaire Partridge Family vinyl fans the holy grail of the, of the band's music. They're described as impossibly rare, and they were used in the actual production of the television show, and they've never been given away, and they've never been released in any format whatsoever. But here's the best part. The eBay listing itself identifies the sellers as, quote, the forever family. They're a rock band with two reality shows that have starred Shirley Jones, the mother from the Partridge family, and they think that they need to raise a million dollars to purchase, quote, a very special destroyed and very infamous house to renovate and shoot another pilot. This is the marvelous reason they have unleashed this heretofore unseen gem, and more importantly, unheard gem of American music history in the most rare acetates of the Partridge family vaults. You have got to be fucking kidding me. Oh, if only Ruben Kincaid were here to put a stop to this, eh? Let's move on to something real and actual and not, you know, delusionary and psychotic. At least as far as we can get away from that on this particular podcast. Um, Polyvinyl Records um, has announced their uh, volume two of their single series, and that's this year... Uh, For those of you who don't know how this works, they limit this to 1,000 subscribers. And every month, a different 7-inch single with um, two songs by the same band will appear in your physical mailbox, not your email box, your physical mailbox. And uh, there will be two completely unique, um, one-of-a-kind songs. Um, Maybe one-of-a-kind is wrong, but anyway. um, There'll be two new songs completely previously unreleased and unheard. Um, by 12 different bands, and um, this is the only way you can get them. So these songs are never going to be released digitally. They're never going to show up on an album. They're never going to show up as part of a different single series. They're never going to be released for sale in stores or online. Um, it costs 110 bucks, and this is not a plug. This is just I just think this is a fascinating idea, and Polyvinyl are certainly not the only ones to do it. Um, this has become a trend in the in the the boutique uh, record label market in amongst independent uh, manufacturers and you know places like Light in the Attic and Numero Group um, and some different labels like that and I'm sure several that I'm not thinking about um, have done something similar where they either have a subscriber thing so that you can get completely new and unusual material and that's the only way you can get access to it. Or it's a way to gain access to special pressings like colored vinyl or, you know, pressings with an extra track or different artwork or to get, um, you know, uh, a lower stamp number or to get a, you know, a limited edition thing. Regardless, 
I think this is a really fascinating way to try to run a label in this day and age when, yes, vinyl is on the upswing, but you've still got a lot of people who think that they can just go out and download this stuff for free or they can listen to it on Spotify or they can go and they can buy it on iTunes. Um, and for people who are really excited about physical media and having something kind of unique and something kind of special, I think this is a really interesting sales pitch. So some of the bands that are going to be involved in the, the Polyvinyl single series this time around are of Montreal, uh, David Bazin, who used to be in uh, Pedro the Lion, Jonathan Ratto from Foxygen, MGMT, Kishibashi, Crooked Fingers, and there's, there's 12 bands. Um, and, and you know, they receive a monthly single. Subscribers will receive a monthly single. Um, there's a box that will come, I think, with your first shipment, and that's specially designed to, to store and hold these... Um, these 12 singles, and I think the best part of this whole setup is the way that they decided to do this. What they did was they took an old Tascam four-track Porta Studio, like the cassette kind, and they mailed this to one of the bands, and they said, we need you to record two songs and then send us the tape. When you're done with the machine, you need to send it on to the next band on the list. And so this Tascam four-track made its way around to the 12 different bands who were involved, and this was the machine that all of these things were recorded on. And then they've got an in-house artist who basically makes new sleeves and new artwork. And there's a poster that you get. And there are some special things that you can enter in contests and giveaways and things like that just for being uh, a member of this service. And again, you know, it's not cheap. I mean, it's nearly it's costing you nearly $10 a month. So that means you're going to spend 10 bucks for each one of these singles. But they're only going to make a 1,000 of them. And it's going to wind up being something completely and totally unique. And you might discover a new band. And, you know, think of the ways that we waste money, I suppose, you know. Um, to me, this doesn't really seem like I'm paying $120 to get this stuff. I'm paying $120 to get this stuff and be a part of this experience. So there's going to be this thing that's going to show up in my mailbox, and it's going to show up once a month. You know, for those of you who are using something like Birchbox, um, think of it as a, as a vinyl version of Birchbox. Um, I'm not even saying necessarily that I'm going to sign up and do this. I'm just kind of fascinated by the idea, and I think it's a really interesting concept, and I would I, I would very much like to see, you know, on the inside. Obviously, Polyvinyl thinks that this works because they did it last year, and they had some success with it, and they've gotten a lot of mileage out of it in the last couple days since they announced it. I'd like to see what this is doing for their label. Are they getting new customers because they're doing this this way? Are they creating enough revenue and enough excitement in the um, in the acts that are not only on their label, but the acts who aren't on their label that participate in this particular in this particular series? I just think it's a really fascinating, really interesting way to um, to run a label, to produce new stuff, to give people a a reason, I guess, um, to to give them. A desire to want to get this thing. And I think that this is a lot of the ethos that exists behind Record Store Day without as much of the downside and the hassle. And so I think this is a really interesting development. And again, I know this is not the only place where this is happening, but this was in the news this week as they just announced this program. And um, I just wanted to tell you about it. So we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and cover a couple of other things. We're going we're gonna to tell you whether or not you might be a hipster. It's possible. You think I'm a hipster? We're going to cover that too. We're also going to hit the reissue wish list. This is going to become a regular thing where once a week I'm going to tell you about a record that's uh, 
fallen out of print on vinyl and has gotten kind of expensive to get your hands on and why I think it ought to be reissued. And um, we're also going to go through the idea of blind buys. So we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back in just a minute. Hello world, here's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. We have a dream, we go traveling together. We spread a little love and then we'll keep moving on. Something always happens whenever we're together. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song. bucks man a million dollars and that could be yours the weird outro unusual version you get that from the forbidden family off the old ebay get over there and find it that of course is the partridge family welcome back i am matt carlson i'm your host for the wax and wayne podcast once again you can find us online at waxandwaynemusic.com you can find us on twitter at wax and wayne music and you can find us on facebook just search wax and wayne music are you noticing a theme here it's called self-promotion. So one of the things I get accused of by being a guy who has a lot of records, a guy who every time the subject of records comes up gets pretty passionate about it because that's what we do when we love something. We we get excited about it. And so when somebody says, hey, um, you know, I bought my boyfriend a turntable for Christmas or my husband got me a turntable for my birthday or whatever – um, if the subject of records comes up, um, I get really fucking excited, especially with if it's in a situation where I don't expect it to happen or it's with somebody who I don't even really talk about music with, let alone the idea of the vinyl format. And so it's it's a natural reaction to sort of, for lack of a better word, evangelize about that. And so when people express an interest or when they express um, some degree of curiosity Sure, it's a little easy to get carried away. I mean, that's how you wind up talking into a microphone for 45 minutes or an hour every week to total strangers like I'm doing right fucking now. That's how you become a guy like me. Well, actually, that's not that's just what happens if you're a guy like me. I don't know how you become a guy like me. But then there's the flip side of that, where if somebody's in that same social situation or they hear about you being excited about vinyl or they see you talking about old records, and they don't understand it, one of the natural reactions may for them be for them to call you a hipster. Now, this is a word that doesn't necessarily need to be used in a pejorative fashion, but it usually is intended as such. And for me, I had to wrestle with the idea of whether or not I was a hipster. Um, and pretty quickly, I was able to say... No, I'm not a hipster. Of course, your first reaction is just to go, fuck, no way. I'm not a hipster. But then I thought about it, and I thought about what, what's a hipster? Um, what, are the, what are the components that make up a hipster? And am I one? Well, let's look at the facts. I'm 42 years old. I'm far too old to, to qualify as an actual hipster. Um, I have been buying records, collecting records, 
wearing flannel, wearing flannel shirts since before most hipsters were alive. I've been doing those things for close to 30 years. Okay, most hipsters are not even 30 years old. Um, so first of all, there's there's a there's a demo thing with age. Most quote unquote hipsters are young. The second thing is, I weigh more than I should. I'm not gonna go into fucking details. This isn't a Weight Watchers meeting where I'm gonna go. Well, I'm down 2.3 pounds this week, and I'm all you know. I've been laying off the carbs, and what I haven't been laying off the carbs. I've been eating whatever the fuck I want. I don't exercise very much, and I weigh too much, and I don't like that about myself. But it's true. Have you seen a hipster? They're thin. They're super fucking thin. Most of the time they wear skinny jeans. I don't have skinny jeans. I don't I can't fit in skinny jeans. I don't like skinny jeans. I don't want to wear skinny jeans. They hurt my junk. I don't I don't need any of that shit. So that's that's another reason. Finally, I think what's what's important to remember is if you're a hipster, you're doing it because it's garnering attention. You're doing it because it gives you a certain cachet or it makes you look like a certain kind of person. I don't I don't listen to records because of that. I listen to records because I love music. But specifically, I love the way music sounds on vinyl. I love the way music feels when I play it in my living room. I love the tactile quality of going to my rack and flipping through physical things and pulling it out and setting it down. Yes, I evangelize about records because I want other to people people to be as excited about this thing as I am. I want people to run out and support their local record shop. I want virtually every record that gets released to come out on vinyl and I want there to be enough production that we can keep up with demand and that we can drive prices down. I talked about that in the first episode. But I do it because I care. I don't do it to impress people. I don't do it to say I mean, certainly every choice that we make that is cultural, there is a certain amount of identity that's tied to that. There's a certain amount of, I like this band, or I read that book, or I drink this kind of beer, or I wear these kinds of shoes. There's a certain amount of cultural cachet that happens with every choice that we make in terms of the things that we consume, the things that we use for our entertainment, and the things that we use to inform ourselves culturally. So there's... There's a certain amount of that you can never get rid of. But if you're doing it strictly to identify yourself, if you're doing it exclusively and solely to say, I buy records because I want to be this kind of person. So I eat this kind of breakfast food, and I wear these kinds of shirts, and I go to these kinds of websites, and I buy these kinds of records, and I use them in a very conspicuous way, and I talk about them in a very conspicuous way so that other people will notice. If you do those things, and that's the only reason that you do it, you're probably a hipster. I'm not a hipster. That's why. Plain and simple. If you need to look in the mirror and go, well, maybe maybe I'm listening to this Wax and Wayne podcast because I want people to think that I like about vinyl. But that's great. If, if that's what it takes to make you listen and hopefully you get turned on to the idea of vinyl, awesome. If you don't and it's just a fad, that's okay. But But do it because you think you might be interested in it. Do it because you think you might love it. Don't do it because you think other people are going to think you're cooler than you actually are. Here's the deal. I have a podcast. I have a lot of really great friends in my life. I have an awesome wife. I have two incredible children. I have 2,000 records, a family that loves me, and I'm not cool. Plain and fucking simple. You're sitting here listening to a guy. You've been listening to me yammer on for more than a half an hour, and I'm not cool. Now, 
Some of the stuff that I like is cool. Some of the stuff that I'm into is cool. Some of the stuff that I know is cool. But that doesn't necessarily make me cool. And here's the thing. By the time you get to be my age and at my spot in life, if you're worried about whether or not you're cool, you got bigger fucking fish to fry. Don't worry about it. Sure, I want people to think the best of me, but I'm not going to go out of my way to rave about records and vinyl and, and the world of collecting and crate digging just so that other people will be impressed. I've, I've reached a point in my life, and there was a point in my life where I might have done something in the hopes that it would impress people. It's called being young. But I'm not at that point anymore. And if you are at that point, that's okay. But you got to learn to grow through it. You got to learn to make those choices for yourself. A lot of people will ask me when I talk to them about records, oh, well, what records should I have in my record collection? Well, that's a stupid question. You should have the records in your record collection that you like. You should have the records in your record collection that you're going to listen to. They're not museum pieces. They're not art on a wall. They're not furniture. They're not ingredients in your spice cupboard. They're things that you're actually supposed to use and enjoy and get something out of. They're supposed to enrich your life, not impress your friends. And so if you think for a minute that the reason that you might buy vinyl is so that you can impress a girl, if that's what gets you into vinyl, great. But that shouldn't be what keeps you around. Because you need to be the person that enjoys vinyl for you. Because what matters is, when you put that record on, if there's nobody else in the room, it's a hollow experience. And if you're buying records just to listen to them with other people, wow, you're going to spend a whole lot of money to make people think you're hip. And then you're probably a hipster. And if, if you still want to do that, then I guess that's, that's your prerogative. But if you're sitting here and you've been listening to me for this long, and especially if you sat through the first two episodes and you're checking out stuff about vinyl, and you're going to our website, and you're going to other places that talk about this, my guess is your heart's in the right place. And if your heart's in the right place, and you actually give a shit about this, and you wonder about the music, and you're curious about what's happening in the vinyl world, you're probably not a hipster. I certainly, sure as shit, am not a hipster. And I'm pretty proud to say that. And I have a little tweetable moment for you, and that is, hipsters don't dance. Now, I dance terribly terribly. And I almost never do it when other people are around. I do it for my own sheer joy and appreciation on very rare occasions. And if you can't find that tiny little moment to, as they say on the little fucking motivational posters, to dance like no one's watching, then maybe you're a hipster. But hipsters don't dance. Moving on. We just talked about what records you should have in your collection, and there are a lot of things that I'm sure you have on your want list or your wish list. I've, I've got hundreds of them. I've got all kinds of records that I really, really want to get my hands on, and I want to put them on my shelf, and I want to put them on my turntable. And so it's really easy to go into a shop and to peruse a lot. You know, let's say you're looking for new vinyl. You're perusing all the new vinyl. You're going through. You're checking the bins. You're looking for three or four specific titles, and they don't have it, and you decide, I'm going to get the hell out of there. Stop. Especially if you're just beginning this journey. I want you to take a minute and say, okay, when I go to my record store, it's not something that needs to take 15 minutes. It should be something that you should set aside a little bit more time. Even if it's a lunch hour or an afternoon with friends. Ideally, you should set aside, you know, 
a good chunk of time, an hour or two, if you're going to go into a store that has a decent inventory, especially if they've got a good-sized bargain bin. You know, I talked last week and wrote on the on the Wax and Wayne page about um, this record store in Kalamazoo I did a profile of called Satellite Records that has a really, really great um, bargain bin section. They've got a 50 cents a sticker thing, and so the records in there mostly are 50 cents, but range up upwards of, you know, 2 to $3. But the big thing is that there's a bargain section on the site, or in, excuse me, in the store. And one of the things you can do when you've got access to a bunch of records that are, you know, two or three dollars, or even more excitedly, less, um, is you can you can engage in what we call blind buys. And what that means is you can go through and literally just browse, looking for records that you don't know anything about. Or maybe you know very, very little about them. Because there's so little risk, financially speaking, in spending 50 cents or a dollar or two dollars on a record just simply because there might be a few simple signs to tell you this might be a record that you like. It's also possible for you to find something that you didn't even know existed and in a way completely expand your horizons. I have said expand your horizons and dance like nobody's watching in the last five minutes. I had no idea I was this fucking trite and obvious. So let's move back to the concept of of blind buys now that I'm being overly hypercritical and self-aware of my own speech patterns. So don't just don't just go through the store and look for specific titles. It's fine if you want to do that. It's okay if it's a store that you go to a lot. Maybe you want to go just look at the new arrivals bin. Maybe you were there last week. You don't need to go through the whole thing again. That's cool. But if it's a store you haven't been in before or you haven't been in in several months, I suggest that you take some time and you go through the regular racks and take as much time as you possibly can. So if you're mostly there to buy rock records, go through the rock section and try to thumb through all of the A's and all of the B's and all of the C's. And, you know, don't don't go through and look for specific bands that are set aside. You know, there's a tab for, you know, Kiss and the Kinks and... Crocus, and yeah, if you're at a shop that has a specific tab for Crocus, you are in a very special fucking place, my friend. Um, So don't just go through and look for the bands that you know you want. It's okay if you do that first, but then go back through and actually thumb through those, you know, basically letter by letter. Um, And then do the same thing in the bargain bin. And when you're doing this, make a stack. Make a stack of records that you think might be interesting that aren't a big financial, um, that aren't a big financial investment or or a giant leap. I usually try to cap it at five or six bucks, and the ones that are a little more expensive on the, on the upper end of the spectrum, um, you know, you can go up as high as eight or ten. But once you get up above, I think two or three dollars, I think then you get to the point where you want to you want to test them out on the house system. And again, I wrote about this on the blog, and I'm gonna mention it in podcasts. If you're going to a store and they don't have a house system set up where you can listen with some headphones, you need, to, you need to tell the people who run that store that they need to go get a $100 used turntable, a solid cartridge, and a set of headphones and a receiver, and they need to make it available for people to test out the records that they're looking at. Now, I can't believe there are very many successful shops that don't have this, but I'm sure that they're out there. I've been in a couple where I, I know... I didn't see one, and I probably would have had to ask, and I and I didn't see anything that was worth asking about, so it was okay. So maybe that's that's the first thing you should look for when you go in a shop. Maybe you should go in and say, "Hey, um, 
you know, there's a there's a a, a house station or excuse me, a house uh, setup here. They've got a stereo. That must mean they they have some belief in what they're doing, because that not only is gonna tell you whether or not you like the music. But if you're buying a record that you're familiar with, it's also going to give you an indication of what kind of shape that record's actually in. So if you find a record that's $5 less than you've seen in any place else, even if you look at that record, sometimes you can't tell whether or not you're going to get some cracks and some pops and some hisses and some noise and dirt. Check it out on the house system. But it's a great resource if you're looking at stuff and you're getting blind by. So what I like to do is I like to go through... And I like to check things based on a series of criteria. So the first thing I look at is cover art. I know you're supposed to not judge a book by its cover. As long as we're running with the trite cliches, let's run with all of them. Don't judge a book by its cover. Too fucking bad. I'm going to. Um, there's this uh, there's this record that I found a few weeks ago uh, by a band called Kitty Hawk. And on the front of it, it's got this real nice kind of sepia-toned uh, paper. And it was really neat looking. And it looked almost like... Um, kind of pressed cardboard thing and it had a real vintage vibe to it and then it had this uh, sort of light bluish uh, silkscreen thing on it with uh, what looked like you know the Wright Brothers flyer you know at Kitty Hawk and there are a bunch of people standing around in their bowler hats and it looks like you know it's like 1903 or whatever year it was that Kitty Hawk happened and I thought wow this looks this looks pretty sweet you know and then I flipped it over and on the back there was like a guy playing uh a didgeridoo and another dude playing a, a tenor sax and another guy playing a, a banjo or something and like they were all kind of hanging out and two of the dudes had suspenders with no shirts on and it looked like an Orleans record cover or something like you would see like on a you know Chicago um, publicity photo and I was like wait a fucking minute that record is not for me so you can tell a lot from the artwork you know a lot of the records that I look for that wind up being cheap are power pop records by bands that nobody's ever heard of. And some of them are just not very good. But some of them are pretty solid. And so you can go through and you can go, okay, well, I like um, Elvis Costello and Graham Parker and The Jam. And if you find artwork that's similar to that, then that's that's usually a good place to start. Then the second thing I look for is, what what label is it on? Is it on a label that has put out other music that I like? So, you know... If it's on, you know, EMI, I look at that and I go, okay, well, I like these other bands on EMI, or I like these other bands on Parlophone, or I like these other bands on DECA, or RCA, or Sire, or whatever it might be. And then you take that and you sort of whittle it down and you look at what year it came out. So if it looks like a power pop record, and it's on a pretty decent label, and it came out in 1980, now all of a sudden the signs are starting to point to, hey, this might be worth 50 cents or a dollar. Then you look at some of the people who played on the record. You know, are there people in there who were pals with somebody else or who, who were session guys who played on a different dude's record? Um, who produced the record? You know, was this a record that was produced by somebody that was doing other bands that you really like from the time? So, you know, if you really like the solo Morrissey stuff from the late 80s, you know, is this a record that was produced by Stephen Street? Is it a record that was produced by um, somebody else who made a record that you like? So it's not only important to look at the records that you're hunting through at the shop, but it's also important to have a fairly decent knowledge of the records you already have and that you already like. I'm not asking you to be encyclopedic about it. One of the things you can do is take your phone, and if you feel like, I've heard that name before, 
Google that shit in while you're standing there. The store is happy to let you do that. They want you to make an informed decision. And if they don't, fuck them. All right? So you're going to look at artwork and label and the people on the on the on the credits you're going to look at what year it came out you're going to look at what the artwork looks like you're going to look at um you know what what year it was released i feel like i said a couple of these things more than one time i'm just kind of i'm really amped up about this cuz i really love the idea of discovering something that i had no idea existed i mean how many times have you had a friend who gave you a a playlist or a mixtape or a CD, and then all of a sudden you went, holy shit, where has this been for the last 10 years of my life? Now, these are few and far between when you're making these blind buys from the dollar bin at the store, or even when you're spending 5 or 8 or $10 in the regular racks. But occasionally, you're going to find one. And the less time you've been collecting vinyl, the higher your chances are of having an experience like that. And then, once you've whittled it down, what I typically do, and you can do this however you'd like, what I typically do is, if they're 50 cents, I just take the risk. I just say, these are records I'm willing to spend 50 cents on, and maybe I've got 8 or 10 of them, and all of a sudden I've spent 4 or $5. I'm willing to take the risk on those. If they're 2 or 3 bucks or up, I generally will listen to them. I'll listen to you know patches of 2 or 3 songs on one side of the record, and I'll start to make a decision from there. Because maybe it's something that you don't want taking up shelf space. If you want to take the time to listen to some of the tracks on every single one of these records that you pick out, that is your prerogative. But what I'm saying right now is get in there. Start digging it. Don't limit yourself to what you already know. Don't say, okay, well, I'm going in looking for these five reissues and these two used records, and if they don't have them, by God, I'm splitting. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to spend my money, or I'm just going to get out. That's fine if you're in a hurry, but don't make that the way that you regularly shop for records because it's not going to wind up paying off in the long run. Because sooner or later, you're going to find one of these records that you like, that you get excited about, and it's going to lead to a whole new rabbit hole, and you're going to get pumped up and excited about that. The last thing I will say on this issue is this is also a great way to explore a genre with which you are either unfamiliar or you think not a fan. So you don't like country records. Okay, fair enough. You know what? I put a thing up on the site this week called Dollar Bin Darlings. This is a this is a feature we're going to put up regularly, and it's all about the uh, Buck Owens and the Buckaroos record Tiger by the Tail. This is a record that you can routinely get for a dollar or two in almost any bargain bin in almost any record shop throughout the contiguous United States of America. And if you don't like that record, you don't like country music. But maybe you think you don't like country music. I'm saying if you want to be a music fan and an aficionado and you want to truly say you know a lot about music, I'm saying buy a Buck Owens record, take it home, listen to the whole thing. Maybe sit down and listen to it twice and see if there isn't something about it that you can appreciate or get excited about. It's worth a dollar. And I guarantee you, if you don't like it, someone in your life will be happy to get it from you as a gift. So go out there. Explore. Dig through the bargain bins. Look for labels. Look for art. Look for year releases. Look for players. Look for, look for, feel it out, man. You're smart. You, if you're not smart, if you weren't smart, you wouldn't be here listening to this. You'd be off watching reality fucking TV, wondering why Honey Boo Boo got canceled because she's, you know, her mom's dating a child molester or whatever. So my point is, Jesus Christ, this is just a show full of tangents, ain't it? My point is this. Get out there and explore. Have fun. Give yourself more time. Get into stores. Dig around. Go places you've never been before. Hell, 
Go to your Goodwill, your Salvation Army, your St. Vincent de Paul. Maybe there's a local charity shop nearby your house. And the beautiful thing about that is if they don't have good records today, they might have good records tomorrow because they're putting stuff out constantly. So go out, make some blind buys, take some guesses, take some leaps of faith. If they don't work out, it's all okay. You can turn around and, you know, you can give them to your library. You can donate them back to the Goodwill store. You can give them to gifts for people who you think would be into vinyl and might be excited about this thing that you bought. So go make some blind buys. If you find something great, I want you to tell us about it. I want you to send us a tweet at waxandwanemusic.com. Send us an email, waxed and waned. That's the uh, past tense, waxedandwaned at gmail.com. Or you can find us at waxandwanemusic.com, as I've mentioned before uh, several times in this podcast. We're going to close out the show this week with um, the reissue wish list. This is going to be a tongue-tie thing that's going to trip me up nearly every time I say it. Reissue wish list and uh, this time around we're going to focus on a record from 1993 that is near and dear to my heart that record and you probably recognize the uh the title track from this record that record is called laid l-a-i-d it is by an english band called james they were contemporaries of the smiths in the 1980s in manchester and they put out some really good pop records that were released here in the u.s on sire and in the UK, I think most of them came out on Rough Trade, and then eventually they moved on over to Polydor. And um, they've released several records that I think are quite good, Goldmother and Seven specifically. But James um, kind of hit the, the peak of their existence for me with Laid. And one of the reasons I picked this is they just put out a new record uh, in the last couple of months called Le Petit More. Um, and I've heard one song from it, and I and I like it. It's good. Um, but I'm not going to run right out and, and eat it up. Um, and, and this is a record that right now, um, the least expensive version that's being sold on Discogs is $63.12. And um, it's from the UK. So for a guy like me in the good old US of A, it's going to cost me certainly at least $80 to get this to my house. And this is for a used record. And I just feel like that's a lot more money than I want to spend. And so... The purpose of this particular feature is that each week I will sit here and tell you a record that I would really like to see get reissued. And this week it's Laid by James, which was produced by the venerable Brian Eno. Um, some of the highlights from this record um, include um, a song called Sometimes, which um, is is just this big, epic, bombastic thing um, about this uh, child in a thunderstorm that's really beautiful. There's a, a really great hooky tight little pop number called Say Something, and then, of course, there's the uh, the title track, um, which I think is interesting, is buried more than halfway through the second side of this record. And um, we'll uh, we'll take the outro music. We'll, we'll play you a little bit of Laid so you can hear it and remember it. Um, but we'd also like to hear the, the things that you'd like to see make a reappearance on vinyl that have never been out before. Um, <laughs> never been out before. If it's a reappearance, it's been out before, Matt. That's what the re means. Regardless, we'd like to know what you'd like to see come out on vinyl again, what you think is too expensive and used uh, format, what you'd like to see get maybe a deluxe reissue or a special repackaging, um, an unnoticed record that uh, needs to see the light of day again. Again, please find us on social media at Wax and Wayne Music on Twitter, search Wax and Wayne Music on Facebook, and you can always find us 
on the blog at waxandwaynemusic.com. I want to thank you so very much for being with us again this week. Uh, It's always a treat to spend some time with you. Um, Good news on the Primer project that is coming along. It looks like we are on track and on schedule to have that up sometime the first week of November. That is next week already, by God. That's unbelievable. Um, Lots of stuff going on at the blog all of the time. Of course, we want to hear from you. If you've got a segment idea for the podcast, please let us know. Come find us. Um, I have been Matt Carlson, and I probably will still be him again next week. Thanks again. Keep listening. We'll see you on the flip side.